0: Welcome to the Check Your Six podcast. Join your hosts, Air Force veterans Craig Lyson and Tim Proctor as they continue their conversation about the challenges of small business ownership as well as information, tips, and guest speakers, all designed to help you navigate the potential stormy weather that is
1: small business.
0: And now, here are your hosts, Craig and Tim.
2: Mr. Craig, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing? Fantastic. You know, this is our 20th episode. Can you believe that? I tell you what, with this guest speaker, he's going to blow us out of the water. Yeah, I know. We're going to have a ton of fun today. I know that already, just doing some research. But to my left here in the luxurious GRP studios is
1: Mr. Craig Lyson with Vets Growth at 407-754-5779. Sweet. If you sprinkle Vets Growth on people, do they grow? I'm, in fact, I'm getting older. I'm, I'm starting to you're shrink. You're starting to shrink. Yeah, I know we're all starting to shrink a little
2: bit. And I'm Tim Proctor with GRP Studios, 407-782-5969, or info at vetsgrowth.com. No, that's you.
1: Hey, you're always wow. correcting me. I, did, you're, I, I, I blew didn't say it, didn't I? say anything. I cannot believe you did that. That's the second time. <laughs> He dogs me. He ducks me. He goes, Craig. You? I'm like, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right.
2: Tim at grpstudios.com. Oh, I kind of blew that one, didn't? I? So we're 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 doing the 20th episode, just fantastic this morning. But we have a great guest in here, and and I'm tremendously honored that he would spend some time, and he would spend it with us. Bill Rodo Ruder. Sorry, Captain. Hold on a second. Captain Bill Rodo Ruder. Right. So we got to do this. Captain's on board, sir. He is here today with R Squared Solutions. Captain, pilot, United States Navy. So he's a Navy guy. We've got two Air Force guys here and a Navy guy. That's okay.
1: We're going le- to learn how to fly today. We're going to learn how to. It's about the right proportion. Yeah. yeah. We we will manage to leave. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, we had a Marine veteran in here that was uh, Abacus Accounting. No. Well, that was, yeah, it was Abacus Accounting yeah. a couple of weeks ago and does accounting work. And we didn't have crayons for her. But she was okay with that. She was still, we still had a lot of fun. R-Squared Solutions, again, Captain, United States Navy, inducted to the Florida Veterans Hall of Fame. You're a public speaker. The list goes on and on. So, welcome, Roto. I know that you kind of prefer Thanks a lot, Roto. Tim. Yeah, absolutely. Can I give us a background of 22nd history of who Bill roto Ruder is.
0: 22nd history. So grew up in Key West, Florida, in a trailer park and wanted to be an astronaut at the age of eight. I was out on the Cocoa Beach jetty at ni- in 1969 when Apollo 11 launched and that pretty much launched my dream. So went on to be a pilot and test pilot in the Navy and then ended up having some great command opportunities and uh, really, really started to pour into people. And I've uh, really been very gratified by the 28 years I spent. I'd started my company back in 2012. And started it with just business consulting for defense contractors and things like that. And now I've moved on to uh, public speaking, organizational health development, leadership development, and those sorts of things.
2: Yeah, we're going to talk about, this is primarily a podcast for small business, Mm -hmm. but we're going to talk some about, about some of the leadership requirements that are needed. The tagline for today is building, well, the title is Building Leadership, the $6 million man. You remember the Six Million Dollar Man do. TV show? I'm old enough. Do, do you remember the Six Million Dollar hey, TV this show? This
1: is the Six Million Dollar Man. I mean, everything he crashed in 20 seconds. Trust me, we don't have all the time in the world to listen to everything. See, yeah, well, college. that's
2: true. Steve Austin, Lee Majors. You remember Lee Majors? Yes, he was, he was in the Air Force.
1: He was in this series. He was an Air Force
2: guy. You know but, what else he did? But way when, back do in the day. Do you know what
1: department he was in the Air Force? In the series. In this series.
2: He was an intel. Well, he was test pilot, but he's also intelligence. When OSI. it all happened. Okay. Yeah, there you go. There you go. So you had some tri- there you got some you have some trivia, some knowledge. Do you know what else she was also in back in the day? Series? You probably don't. Western series? No. I'll let you ruminate on that one for a while. I'm not even going to tell you.
1: <laughs> I but told you. He knows everything.
2: The the series Six Million Dollar Man. I love Six Million Dollar Man. It was a five I think it had five years that it was an episode. It was actually In the very lead-in of the show, you had an actual plane crash that happened. And doing some research, found out that this was a real live test pilot crash. His name was Bruce Peterson. And he was swerving to avoid a rescue helicopter that was in the flight plant during his test. It was just kind of ironic. But Steve Austin, Colonel Steve Austin in the series, rebuilt cybernetic which, the whole thing was kind of funny, both legs and his right arm. And he's throwing cars and buses around like nothing, which probably would have destroyed his spine if it actually happened. It wasn't realistic, but it was still cool. And then Jamie Summers also came onto that with a whole $6 million woman. Yeah. Yeah, you remember that. Okay, Roto, tell me, what, what is our R-Squared Solutions, and why did you start
1: it?
0: Well, first of all, I uh, had a lot of different ideas when it came to transitioning out of the Navy. And one of the things that I didn't want was somebody to just hire me based on my Rolodex and those sorts of things, and then use that Rolodex and kind of expend me, if you will. So for me, I was always sort of passionate about entrepreneurship. My dad and my grandfather both owned their own business and owned the business together with uh, mobile home sales and trailer park ownership and all kinds of different things back in Key West. So for me, I... I think I just kind of started doing some test messaging while I was here for four years in uniform, and it turns out people still live under the illusion I got something meaningful to say. So I continue to move out with, uh, with humility but confidence that I can help and add value to companies, whether that be through the leadership stuff or whether that be through business development strategy.
2: What is R Squared Solutions? Why that terminology?
0: Roto-Rooter.
1: Ah, that's so cool. Wow, I thought it was... Okay.
2: It's not that simple. Big... Or it's not
0: that complex. I, I couldn't be that complex. <laughs>
2: <laughs> this is perfect. We have a nonprofit called KISS, Kids in Support of Soldiers. I always say, keep it simple, stupid. But I was expecting some great... Well, you know, as an engineer, Ed, you did safety and mm-hmm. testing equipment and making sure that it was... And I want you to talk to me about the two pilots that you say that could have or may have been yeah. saved with that. But I thought it was going to be some big fancy technological R squared. He's cool. He's he's laid back. That is
1: fantastic. He's got to work with people like us.
2: (laughs) No, it's a yeah. No, it's it's and I
0: get that question a lot though. Obviously, so some people think because you're an engineer and you're all these other kinds of things that you've you know you kind of put a lot of thought into that. And I did put a lot of thought into it, but it was it meant to just be catchy. And uh, that's good. Yeah. So now I'm getting ready to launch a website called Rotospeaks.com, which is a lot easier for people to remember, which would be great.
2: That again, we all we've had people in here that talk about brand. Branding, some great tips for you about branding. So tell me, what did you do as a, as a pilot in Navy? So I started out
0: flying F-18s off of aircraft carriers, Sweet. and that was my first fleet tour, if you will, on the Theodore Roosevelt, maiden cruise of the Roosevelt over in the Mediterranean and North Atlantic and all kinds of places like that. Then went on to grad school and test pilot school. And uh, my I was a bachelor's here at UF, so I'm a go Gators kind of guy. And then went on to Pax River, to Patuxent River, Maryland, where I was a test pilot, go through test pilot school and then become a test pilot. Then I was able to lead in the test environment and had the opportunity to be responsible for about 800 people on the in the test squadron that does all the flight tests for F-18s and a bunch of other aircraft as well. So migrated from that into a couple of other cool jobs, one in the Pentagon and that sort of thing, and then came down here and got the responsibility for the, the Naval Air Warfare Center that's here. There's 1,200 people there, and it's, it's a big responsibility, and I, I took it to heart. And we definitely, through all of those, all of those places, we, all develop, we developed leaders along the way, and that was the thing that I was probably most proud of.
2: Test pilot, you ever see the movie Space Cowboys? Certainly. With test pilots are a different breed of individual. What makes a good test pilot? No beside the willi- besides no fear, the willingness to push the limits to the extreme, knowing the potential consequences. Right.
0: And I always, even when I, when I give uh, talks to whether it's college kids, whether it's adults, um, the confidence and humility balance. So, you know, things can kill you. And so in flight tests, especially high, high-end flight tests, high-risk flight tests, which I've had the opportunity to, to do a good bit of, it was all not only about whether or not you were confident enough to go do it. Uh, because there's a, there was a your confidence can get to a point where you're arrogant, right? So we, I have a video that I show in some of my keynotes where a guy that was very, very confident and not all that humble almost lost his life, and it humbled him for the balance of his life because he recognized how fragile that whole balance could be. And so for me, it's that. And then the and as a test pilot, you're an engineer as well. You're kind of an engineer in the air. So you're going to be the one that's translating a lot of the things that are going on in flight into the discipline of an actual engineer that's sitting down there with no longer slide rules, but they're kind of doing their things to kind of figure out how to fix whatever it might be.
2: This stuff on paper doesn't sound good, looks good, doesn't always translate well to the actual functionality of what you're doing. Right. Well, so yes, absolutely. And so that's
0: why there's, a, there's an inside job piece of this, right? So it's about your, the, your
2: attitude and your approach towards it as much as it is about the acumen. So- You decide now, you stepped out of your military career, and you create this leadership platform. What makes a good leader? Very broad question, I know, but in your opinion, what makes a good leader?
0: Somebody who understands that it's actually a servant activity. That's the shortest answer I can give you. Servant
2: leadership, we've talked about that with other people in here, but servant leadership really is the best, and that's going to tie in, actually, to what our tip of the day is ironically later on well that's why i talk about the fact that i say i'm responsible
0: for not i was in charge of but those are two different kind of syntax to me and those are two different interpretations so when i'm responsible for it is it is clarifying my vision and my view of my role and my role is to be a servant leader
2: And you're right. It's just looking at it from a different lens. Who I'm in charge of is one way to look at it from one type of leadership. Certainly. Who I'm responsible for is now a whole nother way of looking at things. Correct. So your focus on leadership, is it for larger companies? Is it small companies? And how would a small business individual say, okay, I need to find out about this guy and I need to have him help me grow my business, which is myself and one other person. So
0: I've been following John Maxwell for quite some time, right? And so Since the 90s, early 90s. And so I learned a lot about how to put leadership in context during that time and then how to apply it with the kind of things that I had opportunities to lead throughout the Navy. When I got out of the Navy, I I really wanted and am passionate about adding value to people and organizations. In my way of doing it, I partnered with John Maxwell to have access to his IP, which gives me sort of a framework through the lens of my experience, through the lens of the things that I've done and done well and not done well so that i could add context to some of this leadership material so that it's not an academic experience it's actually an informed experience and when you do that and you can you have vignettes and examples and things like that that are personal like the one that i talked about with respect to the the two guys that i you know were my roommates those sorts of things can resonate stories resonate and when those stories are things that really really happened they remember them when they're gone so when they're not in the training anymore So we couple, though, the whole self-awareness piece. So I'll do a DISC assessment on all of the team. We'll map out the team. We'll figure out what, what the team needs to focus on, where their blind spots are, and then we will infect with leadership principles and understanding how leadership works, regardless of whether you're in charge of the organization, as in responsible for it, or whether or not you're down at the lower level of the organization from a from an organization's chart standpoint, but not as a person. And we kind of highlight that with a lot of other content.
2: And we've had somebody else in here, Sean Lyden, Lyden Communications. His big thing is people don't care about what you know. They want to know how much you care, but they also want to hear a story yeah, from Yeah, so you.
0: Zig Ziglar is another good uh, folk Lo- love that some Zig. To. Yeah.
2: And I Zig said that a lot,
0: right? So you're absolutely right. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. It's a, and it's a big deal, and so it's an it's an investment. It's a kinetic activity. Leadership is right. So, but for me, it's there's so many dysfunctions in the team. There's so many things that have to do with that undermine trust and that think seniority equates to superiority in some way, which it does not. And so, there's so many different things and nuances to make a high performing team grow and be successful. And so, for small businesses, my wife owns a small business, and she's she's doing fantastic. But we talk a lot about how you measure. The pedigree and the style of that person to ensure that they're a good fit. So we spend a lot of time helping people understand what means what is a good fit, not only into your culture, but even for what they're doing on the bus.
2: Right? You know, I think he basically just wrote the tip of the day in the script for the rest of us, Right? I, this I, I'm I like, didn't know at any at this of tip, this, <laughs> and I'm like,
1: all right. did he, him, he? Well, first of all, you got to be a pilot. You got to be a unique person to understand and have that quick memory. Yep. Yeah. And when he scanned this, he had it done. Oh, he
2: had it done. Well, if you're okay with it, I really would like to, I'd like to hear a story from you coming back in the second half. And that is about the two people that you talked about in your website, which before we go any farther, give us some contact information for you.
0: Yeah. So, uh, corporate numbers, two, four, zero, five, seven, seven, nine, zero, one, seven. And I can always be reached at roto at r-square r squared
2: It's catching, isn't it? Yeah, well, that's Ooh, why the Roto catching. Speaks one's coming up. Oh, I man, that's fantastic. Well, we're going to come back with the second half. We're going to listen to a story and talk some more with Bill.
1: Roto! Stay tuned. The
0: guys will be right back with more on how to check your suits. Bill Roto-Rooter here with R Squared Solutions. I work with upcoming leaders, established leaders, and organizations by equipping individuals and teams on leadership and organizational health. If you're looking to increase your influence, we have continuing mastermind groups. Just follow us on social media or through the website to be kept up to date on our programs. You can find us on Facebook at R Squared Solutions, Instagram at Roto Leadership, or at our website at rotospeaks.com. Looking for a customized program for your team? Contact us for a complimentary coaching session. R Squared Solutions, equipping and training individual and team leadership.
2: All right, we are back. You're playing with your headphones to get over there, Mr. I'm mine. Yeah, you bring your own
1: Toys R Us gave me some. I bet they're better.
2: <laughs> BYOH, okay? Bring your own headphones if you're going to complain about them like that. Gemini <laughs> Crickets. Well, we are back for the second half with Bill Roto-Rooter, R-Squared Solutions. And before we start, give us some contact information again for you, sir. Sure.
0: sure, the phone is 240-577-9017. And the email is roto at r-squaredsolutions.net.
2: We were having a lot of fun. I wish sometimes we could capture some of the stuff in between sessions, but we were having some fun with that. Your tagline on your website is success doesn't just happen, it's learned. What does that mean? And I'm going to have you tell me a story.
0: Roger that. So we've talked a little bit about John Maxwell and leadership and what leadership really, really means. And success, if you think about it, most of the folks that are successful, and I mean holistically successful, not just because they made a million dollars or something like that, but that they have the sort of quality of life, if you think about it that way, both in relationships and others, is to be sort of self-aware uh, first of all, and to really understand how you tick and really understand how you're best suited. And once you do that and you learn things like leadership and understanding the human condition, because I spent a lot of time helping people understand that nonlinear human, so they can be more effective in their relationships, and that includes the workforce. And so when it, I all of that can be learned. Right. Everybody says, well, you're born leader. No, I, I, I don't think you're born a leader. Now, you may be born with a style that is easier to transition and to make that kind of thing happen. But I have seen tremendous leaders that have personality styles that are not consistent with good leadership. So uh, proof's in the pudding. They've done it. They've led. There are several leaders out in Fortune 500 companies today that are not wired that way. So uh, when anybody tells me somebody, somebody leadership is sort of, you know, innate, I say absolutely not.
2: All right. And we talked about it before we left. You were a safety guy. You tested equipment to make sure that it did what it was supposed to in a safety standard. Tell us a story about two individuals, your roommates, if you're okay with doing that.
0: No, absolutely. So as you, I said in the beginning, I wanted to be an astronaut. So I had a dream to be an astronaut. I was a finalist three times. I ended up as a senior test pilot for the, the Navy. And so during that time, During the time that I was in flight school and early in flying, I lost two roommates to F-18 flying, right? when I had just started flying the F-18. One of them was Joe Repo Mamalani, and he was off the coast of Spain. And off the coast of Spain at night, he was trying to identify the Spanish freighter that was out there in the Mediterranean. And he was looking down at his forward-looking infrared display on the aircraft. And he looked down and he got kind of focused on that, trying to ID whether or not this was a freighter, whether this was a warship, what it was. And in that time, as in, in a very slow grazing angle, he flew into the water and he perished. Then my second ro- roommate was Keith Victor Maitland, okay? And Victor, oh, Victor was, I mean, we all have great and mostly condescending call signs, which is the absolutely. way it's supposed to be to yep. keep us humble, right? So, so in my case, Victor was flying in 1992, uh, no, 19, 1991, Victor was flying down the uh, coast here in Florida. And low-level flying, hit a bird, came through the windscreen. Normally, you'd be okay, but he ejected, and the bird and the, um, and the windscreen had fouled the drogue chute, and he rode the seat into the ground, and he perished. So two friends that died in ways that were preventable, if you think about it. So when I got to be a test pilot, which is my dream, I got to go start testing things on aircraft. So you're flying the aircraft, testing whether or not something will work or not. The first two projects that were given to me was the Advanced Bird Strike Resistant Windscreen and the Ground Proximity Warning System. Wow. So that's when I, awesome. I, when I talk about divine providence on your dreams and on your trajectory to just go chase it anyway, to me, that's the most powerful thing that ever happened to me when it comes to that chasing the dream.
2: So who better to put in that position to test when right. somebody had experienced those two failures in either application or how it was done? Wow. So tell me a little bit about the. And again, I love call signs, and I know especially pilots have call signs, and, we, and and we get that, and everybody has them. We in the Air Force had them, but we walked around a lot of the airplanes <laughs> more than actually flying them. but We still had call signs, and they weren't real. They weren't real <laughs> that's complimentary. Where, that's where either. they <laughs> hit the phonetic
1: alphabet. <laughs> yeah,
0: right to that.
2: So, what did you when you're testing for the your your first test for the the windshield? What do you, how do you test for that? What do you... You're flying to a flock of birds. How do you test that? No,
0: actually, fortunately, we have a lab for that. But um, there were two things that were really important. One was that the windscreen would stay on the airplane at Mach 1.X. And I can't say the X, but it was out there. And then the other was whether or not we could... Because we were doing a different polycarbonate kind of multi-layer thing to do the resistance that it needed to happen. So could you see... The way you need to see in the back of an aircraft carrier, you have to be very, very specific about things you see. And we were seeing some double vision. So we had to say, "Okay, well, that can be a problem. (laughs) Obviously, if you're trying to land on the aircraft carrier at night, the aircraft carrier is moving around and you need very, very acute uh, visual acuity to be able to do that. So we went out, dark, dark night, tested it. Uh, Which one do I believe, you know, of the lights that you can see because it's double vision? And and we were able to make the, the necessary changes after that. So that kind in of other stuff.
1: words, you and I would have never made me No, <laughs> I
2: I did actually have uh, great counts as a cousin. He was a Navy pilot as well, and he said it's like trying to land a bus on a postage stamp mm-hmm. is kind of the the application he took to fly in a plane and landing on an aircraft carrier. That visual has stuck with me ever since. That is a challenge. It's so, great for adrenaline junkies though. I would imagine Wait a so. Minute.
1: So it's like, what kind of person does it take to be a pilot? Did you have to have a certain qualification, like you said, you went to school for engineering? Was it because you could analyze things and and try to make them work? Or is it just somebody that, hey, I just flew a Cessna, I think I'm ready to be a junkie to fly on an aircraft carrier?
0: Right. For me, it was, first of all, it was a a path to astronaut, right? So that's the reason I majored in aerospace engineering. That's the reason I went to grad school at the Navy Postgraduate School in Monterey for aero engineering, And that's the reason that I went to be a test pilot. All of that was part of the path. The typical path to be an astronaut, but what, like I say, you shoot for the moon, you be among stars, you know that kind of stuff. So that's what happened. Yeah. Um, so it was very, very gratifying.
2: That's incredible. Do you miss flying?
0: Sure, I do. Yeah. Absolutely. Do you, do you still fly today? Or yeah, a little commercial a little stuff. Commercial but it's stuff. not really? Just. Mean, jets? To get one and no, not jets <laughs> no. yet.
1: He's got to come back. I really yeah, just we listen might, to we, him. I love we, listening we to him. I might
2: have to do that. So, how has your military training? And I know we kind of talked about this with other military people. Those that have never served may not understand. How has that military training helped you then create leaders in people that have no idea what you're talking about from a military standpoint? So
0: I ended up being extremely gratified to have a lot of folks that were in organizations that I led advance to pretty really good jobs and pretty good ranks in the Navy. And I am humbled when I'm approached when I was sort of look ma no hands when it came to a leader, I was doing my best with what I knew at the time, but I was still growing and am still growing. So for me, the fact that I was able to add value to them in any way and leave that kind of a legacy and they went and took it and ran with it and still get LinkedIn messages from people that I'm just like so grateful for the fact that we had that time together and we were able to learn from each other, right? Because um, I'm very, very I don't want to say self deprecating, but I'm, I'm definitely not oh, yeah, we are. <laughs> not, the, not the kind of guy that's going to say that i got all of this. I mean, I, I come from a very, very humble background. And for me, I'm grateful. And I always tell my kids, you know, you got to have an attitude of gratitude and that that's the way that you got to live your life. So for me, but I learned a lot about discipline. I learned a lot about structure because I didn't have any as a kid. Uh, went through a couple of divorces, parents. I mean, it's not easy time. So, I learned a ton from my Navy experience, uh, including being fortunate to be around some fantastic servant leaders that really put everything in context for me. So I think that's the biggest thing I took away. I mean, I am not the regimented one, even though my wife and my stepchildren would probably say I am. It's, it's, it's nothing like the military in that sense.
2: Yeah, it is kind of funny. I'm sure my son, who's now 30 years old, thought, Dad, you were just way over the top. I'm like, seriously? No, you're, you're not even— your name close. Speaking of that, what does your wife do? You said she has a small business. My wife has her
0: own small company. It's a Symmetry uh, Incorporated. She's a big. She loves Symmetry. It's not spelt the same way, but she 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 started out developing a lot of R and D work for the Army and for the Air Force and Navy on developing mannequin appendages to really give high end training where they can see and see wounds and repair and all of the sorts of things. So the tactical combat casualty domain, as well as now having instructors in those domains that are the real snake eaters that actually had to do that in the field so that they can really, really give her context and it helps everybody else. She's also got a services company, part of her company, that's actually uh, doing services around engineering services, those sorts of things.
2: We saw that at it's, uh, ITSEC last year, yeah, right? her where stuff had, was at ITSEC. We saw for medics and for those that are in the field, this program, I remember sitting there watching this guy with this program, using it virtually to help learn how to turn, how to adjust, how to help people in combat that have been injured in combat. And I so that's that's wild. It is kind of ironic whether you pick the $6 million man and being a bionic rebuild yeah, right. for him. When your wife, that's kind of what your wife has been mm-hmm. has been working on. Where do you see yourself going from here? You're obviously a public speaker. Mm-hmm. Where do you see yourself going? And do you have a favorite crowd to speak to?
0: A favorite crowd to speak to? Um, certainly one that's probably fun because I'm a high eye on the disc spectrum. So for me, it's like, you know, yeah, I'm a fun guy and all that kind of stuff. I love the inspirational. I love people that are, that are invested in the kind of things we're going to talk about. Um, I also enjoy turning the corner with folks that are skeptical. Like I'm getting ready to do, go do a webinar or an a, a in-person session up in Billings, Montana, um, next month or the month after we're still trying to wait out COVID, but I'm going up there and there's several of them that say, oh, they're just going to sprinkle some training dust on us and we're going to, you know, all get better. You know, so there's so many, there's a, some cynical people in this crowd. And now that I've seen their disprofiles, I know that they're
1: apt for that. So, so you're
2: going to have some fun. Oh, I, I love that. Oh, that's, that's he fantastic. Turning that corner is oh, a yeah. blast.
1: He was doing a guest speaking, I think at, uh, the Citrus Club mm-hmm. oh, uh, probably last year. And I was so adamant because I know he's a great guest speaker and you always get something out of it. I got stuck at the worst traffic at 408. I was so mad. And I'm like, please don't start. Please don't start. you know. And I'm like, okay, so I just traveled 30 minutes for one mile. I'm not going to get there. You're not going to get said, there in time. I hope, I hope he has a video on him. <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah.
2: you know, and you're right. We've had some people in here. We do some business with a guy he named David Mines. And he's the same way. He's nutrition, and that's his background. But he loves to bring humor. And he's said it, and I've heard more than one person say if you just spit out facts and figures, after a while, people have tuned out, they're checking their phones. But if you can engage them, again, telling the story, making them laugh, they're liable to stay engaged with you. Is there one thing lacking for leadership? If you could pinpoint one thing in an individual, so you are lacking this to be an effective leader. So whichever individual Because obviously those blind spots run awry.
0: They run all over the place. Is
2: there a common thread that you see in the lack of leadership? What's one trait?
0: I would say understanding that they don't have all the answers. And it's okay to not have all the answers. I think the hardest thing for some quote-unquote leaders is to ask the people they're responsible for for advice. Because they think it makes them weak. It doesn't.
1: No, That's, you're right. You're right. Because they're, they're put on this pedestal. Everybody's looking at them and saying, You've got all the answers. Well, you don't. That's why you create a staff that has those other thinking processes, as I have learned. Get somebody, as Tim and I, you know, we, we met I don't know how many years ago. A couple he attacked yeah. me and threw me on the ground. But anyway, I think I got his message.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you got a bunch of bullets. I, I look at it sometimes. If people really know what a knucklehead I am, they probably wouldn't want to do business. It's, but it's just that kind of. I'm just a guy that has been blessed to be, and ours is stewardship. I, I consider myself a steward of this company, and I've been blessed to have it, and we're, we're, having, a, we're having a blast. Right. So, well so Stewart Stuart leadership really speaks yeah, to me. Yeah,
0: and so, the, speaking of stewardship, so, you've been given gifts, right? We've all been given gifts, and being a good steward of those gifts is giving back. And so, one of the things that I'm very, very passionate about right now is homelessness. And I'm the president of the board of directors for the Samaritan Resource Center for the Homeless. I've been that, board's direct, that board president now for four years. And we are fundamentally transforming the way that we address the homelessness issue. I was in Leadership Orlando 2.0 where we had 20 business leaders all get together and over eight months diagnose some of the barriers to social mobility in Central Florida. And we went to see a lot of areas around this ecosystem here in Central Florida to really get a better handle on it. And so now, as that board president, I can go out there and build a holistic offering that includes mental health, that includes all the other kinds of things that surround that experience of being homeless. So uh, pretty passionate about that. And it's one of, the, one of the boards that I'm on.
2: We may have to have you come back in and talk about that because I really want to hear about that We've had some experience with homelessness and homeless industry, and, and it's just it's a whole other topic that we can cover. But, Mr. Craig, tip of the day today. What is the tip of the day, and why does it seem so appropriate with our guest, Mr. Rodo Router? Actually, he's, I think, Captain. he started the tip. I, mean, I, I, I think mean. he actually wrote this and and He we're can just read minds. Along. I know he can he read minds.
1: minds. Well, it comes down to his practice, what you preach, and it just comes down to exactly what Rodo just said, everything
2: leading by example, thats right and those that you're responsible for, you ex- use that word, and I, it's in the tip of the day here, lead by example for those that you are responsible for, and don't fall into the because I said so mentality, unless you're a parent of a child who just doesn't want to, you don't want don't to, <laughs> don't reason with a four-year-old, it just doesn't work. I want to thank you again for being here. This has been, really has been an honor for us to have you in, and if someday, at some point, you have some more time, I really would like to hear about the nonprofits Absolutely. that you work with and, and what you do. So And thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. This has been a lot of fun. Should we have done this first? Should we have done that first today? To wake everybody up? I woke yeah.
1: up at 5 o'clock. Nine.
2: Okay. Well, we won't do that one. So we'll just close it out for today. And again, thank you, Mr. Bill Rodo rooter R Squared Solutions, speaker, captain, Navy. have
1: him come out and talk trust me you're going to walk away with a solid message and you're going to
2: have a lot of fun you're going to be encouraged and you're going to be inspired as well so thank you sir for being here thank you and we'll check you all on the back side
1: thanks for listening to the check your six podcast tune in
0: again next time for more information on your small business development